0: 1991 30 years ago uh, my wife and I were preparing to go into full-time ministry all we had my daughter whos in the front row this morning uh, she was not yet born my son had just she's just less than a year old. And um, and we were called to go into ministry and so we were launching to go into full-time ministry. Now it sounds glamorous, but it really isn't. It means basically giving everything up and following God you know to what God wants you to do. At the time we were living in Rockford, Illinois, and uh, my pa- parents and us started a church in Beloit, Wisconsin, most of you know that story. That's, that church is still there to this day and uh, we're in great relationship with him. matter of fact I'm I am, uh, uh, he would call me his spiritual father, uh, uh, Terry Morehouse and his wife that run that church there. And um, great ministry. But anyways, we were there in 1991, church started in 89, so we were there kind of working as lay ministers for a couple years, and then we were going to move from Rockford to Beloit. And so we had to sell our house. It was our first house we'd have. We'd lived in uh, a townhouse before that. We were renting. Then we bought this property uh, in 1988. And so we were there for a couple few years. And so um, we were kind of sad to see it go, but excited about the prospects of what God had for us in our future being in ministry. And so we sold the property. At the same time, uh, my dad and, and the church, we had decided to build our first phase. We were renting at the time. And so we were building the first phase of the, of, uh, the building on the property that we currently have there in Beloit. And so uh, we needed chairs. Now, I don't know anything about chairs, but chairs are pretty expensive. So my dad was having an offering to raise money for the chairs. And it was going to cost something like uh, $25,000, something like that. I can't remember what it was, for 200 chairs, 300 chairs, whatever it was. And um, my wife and I, we decided that we were going to give. And when we sold our house in Rockford, the Spirit of God spoke to us and said, I want you to give your, whatever you earned from that house. I want you to give that to the house, my house. And I want those chairs to be paid for. And we made $10,000 on, on that house. We we're, we're just young. I was 21 years old. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good amount of money. You know, back then, $10,000, those that lived back then, that's about, it's probably about double. Wouldn't you say, Mike, about double uh, that it was? I mean, it's, that's probably about $20,000 worth of money now. So that's a lot of money. And so that would mean we wouldn't be able to get a house right away. We'd have to lease or, or rent. And we did. And so we took that money and gave it to the church to buy those chairs. I can tell you that, number one, you'll ne- you can never outgive God. When God tells you to do something, don't ever be afraid of what God says to do because it's going to be better because he always promises 30, 60, and 100-fold. Not to get into that message this morning, but just to let you know. And so we did that. We trusted God. And for a few years, we rented and so on and so forth. And so we knew it was time for us to get a house. And uh, so we started looking around. We had no idea there were people in the church that were planning to help us. There were builders in the church. And next thing you know, long story short, is they sat with us and said, look, are you looking for your house? We said, yes, we are. Well, we would like to build a house uh, that, that you, could, you could pick all the, all the you know, wood. You could pick all the different types of furnishings that go in. Not furnishings, but the, um, uh, the kitchen and the counters and the bathroom stuff and all that. You could pick everything you want. And, and, and for no money down, you can move into this house. And we said, we'll do it. It took about three, minutes, three months to build the house. And in three months, we were in a brand new house with no money down. By the way, I bought a brand new car. And at the time, I think our, our, our latest model car we ever had was a 1979. And now we're already in 1995. So, you know, we were driving old cars. Why? Because we didn't have no money. Hallelujah. And so that's just the way it was. But God took care of us supernaturally. My children never went without. God always took care of us. And here we are. I'm 26 years old. I'm living in a brand spanking new house no one's ever lived in before and driving a brand new van at that time to God be the glory. Somebody say amen. Oh, I can't hear you. Don't get jealous. title of my message this morning is God First. And when you put God first, you'll never come in second. So I say amen. Father, we love you so very much and thank you for your precious anointing felt in this place through your praise and worship that's ascended to your throne. The heavenly hosts are rejoicing, Lord God. The, The cloud of witnesses are rejoicing and your people are rejoicing as well this morning. We give you praise and glory and honor, Lord God, as you deserve and only you deserve, Lord God. Now use me this morning, I pray, Lord God, as a minister, an instrument unto you, Lord God, to motivate your people, encourage your people, and that the word of the Lord will come forth prophetically, Lord God, We pray in the name of Jesus and the people shouted amen and amen and amen. So there was a um, man by the name of Isaac who was the son of Abraham and um, they wanted to have a child. And so Abraham, Isaac rather, and Rebecca was his wife at the time. And that's a whole story I'd love, love to get into it just on the time this morning to do that. Beautiful story of the testimony of being able to wait on God. If you're single, God's got the right person for you, trust me. He'll lead you to the right person. Most of the times we choose wrong. I said I wasn't going to get into it, but I'm kind of getting into it a little bit here. And so when you trust God, everybody say Trust God. We trust God, he'll lead you to the exact person you need, and so Isaac's mother had passed away, Abraham's wife, and so he was sad, and the Holy Spirit uh, led the ser- his servant to go and find a wife for Isaac, and of course, it was Rebecca. They got married, and then they had a son. Well, actually, what happened was they had sons, and she became pregnant, but in her womb, the Bible says, were two, not one, but two, so they were twins inside of her womb. The Bible says that from time to time, those twins would literally rest with each other within the mother's womb. Because your mother, 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 mother trying to just be you know, comfortable and just trying to relax a little bit and inside her belly, he's got these babies quarreling with one another. One child, I mean, I just, my my, um, my um, grandchild was just born just recently. Esme was just born just recently on, on a sit in the front row and she'd say, hey, look, dad. And she'd show me like a foot would go by, praise God. Then a hand would go by. So I can't even look at it no more. It's like a poltergeist going on in there. It's weird, man, and, and, you know, they would laugh at me, but it, it's just, can you imagine two of those babies and, and kind of going at it a little bit? And so now them, and so uh, she's about ready to give birth. The Bible talks about this to what would be known as Jacob and Esau, okay? And the Bible says that they were wrestling to be first place, to come out of the womb. That, that's interesting, but the Bible says it that way, and that Esau was going out first, but the Bible says on his way out, talk about weird, but the Bible records it this way, that Jacob grabs the heel of Esau as if to say, me first. I want to be first. Why is that important? Because being first meant you got the Father's blessing and what else did you get? The birthright. Y'all don't even study your Bibles no more, praise God. You didn't want to say you are afraid you are going to be wrong, praise God. Um, The birthright. So you get the birthright and you get what? The blessing of the father. And so Jacob wanted both. I'm not saying he's a little child. He might not have known that. But the truth is that's why you would want to be born first, right? So he grabs the heel of uh, Esau as if to say, I want to be first. Um, And the Bible talks about Jacob and his name meaning heel grabber. That's part of his name. It means heel grabber. And the first seventy years, you can study this out in the scriptures of Jacob's life. He was consumed with himself, always about himself. Well, you don't hear a lot about about maybe him saying, "I want this" or "I want that," but you know that he's living in the shadow of his brother Esau. And let me prophesy over you: Get out from under the shadow of other people, or other people's opinions, or what they think about you. And for all these years, he, he, he led his life as being inferior to his brother, as if he wasn't good enough because he wasn't the firstborn. He didn't quite measure up. His life didn't add up. You know, when he's talked to his father, they would sit together, and his father and the two brothers would stay together. He would probably say, I see a little sparkle in dad's eye when he talks to Esau, not so much to me, because he's after all the first the firstborn. And so that puts an inferiority complex on someone. And so for all these years, these 70 years, he's wrestling with the insecurity that. That he's got is he's, he's miserable he wants change he doesn't want things to be the way that they are and he's basically saying what about me i should have been first i was the one i tried to come out first but i didn't, didn't happen for me and so in other words i didn't get the break somebody else got i wasn't raised in the, y'all can just amen and say hallelujah if you want to amen hallelujah praise god and I wanted to be first, and, and and maybe you didn't feel like you got the money you should have deserved, or the job that the other person got, or the promotion the other person got, or whatever. And so you're living this kind of miserable existence because you don't measure up to somebody else, or somebody else's standard, standard. How many of you ever met somebody who was totally self-absorbed? I mean, that conversation flipped so fast about them, it wasn't even funny, you know? You're having a conversation, telling your life story, needing some help and some counsel, and instantly, come on, they're the kind of people that got to say, well, you know, what about this? And they start talking about themselves. Or the one-uppers. You ever heard the one-uppers? You tell a story you think is great, and they got to one-up you. They don't even acknowledge what you just said. But like, oh, you think that's great. You should hear this, what just happened to me last week. <laughs> Ain't nobody even asked you what happened last week, praise God. Or, how about this? Or, how about this? I I hate this. I'll send a joke out to somebody, right? I think it's funny. It is funny. And I'll send it out to somebody, and they just come right back with another joke. You didn't even acknowledge the joke I just gave you. I want a ha ha. I want a laughing emoji with the little squirty stuff coming out of the eyes on the sides. Give me an emoji. It was funny. Instantly, we got to laugh at your joke now. No, my joke first. Then we'll talk about your joke second, praise God. Self-absorbed, I'm telling you. I had a uh, friend, and, and um, he's, he's actually like an older brother. Years ago, and we were sitting in the mall, and I hadn't seen him in a while. And we started talking. He's talking about his church. He's talking about what he's doing. He's talking about what's happening with what God's doing in his life, what's happening to him personally. I mean, he went been out for like 15 minutes. I went, uh-huh, uh-huh. He you knows like a big brother, so I'm listening, you know. And... um. And finally he goes, hey, 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 enough about me. Literally, he says, What do you think about me? You prideful? <laughs> you arrogant, maybe? Who says something like that? Self-absorbed people do. They love looking in the mirror. They love to they want to know what you're thinking about them. I can't stand to be around folks like that. I want to be around people that just have life. Just love life, come on and love people and just regular folks. Someone say amen. <laughs> Self-centered people say things like this. And, and if, I'm, if I'm saying things that you've said, then I'm talking about you. Hallelujah. But if you won't look at me crazy, then I won't know it's you. Hallelujah. Uh, they say so, stuff like, sometimes I just need to do me. As if last time you couldn't do you. Or it's my time now. It's my time now. Or I deserve this or I deserve that, or I'm taking a much-needed vacation. How come you just can't take a vacation? Why you gotta tell me it's a much-needed vacation? As if you're more important than anybody else. I'm preaching real good because some of y'all are looking down now. Amen. I'm just gonna do me. It's like you're fighting against yourself. It's like a Jacob syndrome, like, like you're in the shadow of other people. So you gotta fight just to have freedom, fight just to have fun, fight just to feel peace in your life. And I'm telling you right now, we serve a God who he is the Prince of Peace that surpasses all understanding. And so self-absorbed people end up making plans without God. Constantly saying, I want to do this because I deserve that. This is for me now. This is my time. It's my money, my house, my rules, what I want to do, and start making plans without consulting God. I thought we're supposed to, as Christians, we're supposed to be putting God first in our lives. She caught a I'm preaching really good. In other words, what I'm saying to you is this. Is a lot of times we're making all kinds of plans. And not to just pick on single people because I'm not because I believe God with you. That one day you won't have to be single or you won't need to be single. should put it that way. But the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of times because loneliness sets in and you start thinking, my life is going by and I deserve to have a man. Or I deserve to have a woman. Right? Then you start picking people you want without ever consulting the spirit of God as to who God has already chosen for you. I just hate Milwaukee. I can't stand, I can't wait to get out of Milwaukee. Why don't you just leave Milwaukee then? Why are we hearing you every day complaining about the city we actually love and find great value in? What What you fail to realize is, well, I'm going to California. Talk to people in California. They're all leaving California. Wherever you go, here's the problem, folks. Wherever you go, you take you wherever you go. And you're your problem. You don't want to hear that. That's why you got to renew your mind to the word of God. Learn to put God first and God's ways first. And next thing you know, you're going to look different at Milwaukee and go, wait a second here. I can, God is in this place. Well, the crime is high, this is high, that's high. That's all true, but I'm here to tell you, if God puts you here, it's not for you to be a thermostat to tell everybody what the temperature is, or a, th- a thermometer to tell what the temperature is, but to be a thermostat to change the environment yourself. So we're busy making plans without God because we think we know better. And church, I want to I wanna point something out this morning. Many times we end up struggling against the very thing that God has already given to us. But because of our insecurity, we don't think it's ever going to come. This was the case for Jacob. Genesis 25 verse 23 says, And the Lord said to her, speaking of Rebekah, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older, watch this, this is the prophetic part, and the older shall serve the younger. God had already promised her, while Jacob and Esau were already in the womb, no matter who comes out first, here's what's gonna happen. The older shall serve the younger. So Jacob already had a promise from God that one day it would not be the way that it seems. But he's teaching Jacob how to rule properly when things don't look right, when things don't add up, when he's in a season of um, contradiction. It's like everything was that he thought was going to be is the actual contradiction to it, and you're now living the opposite way. God, Church knows the end from the beginning. He's Alpha and Omega. He always plans ahead. In other words, he starts from the end and works his way to the beginning. So God already knew what you were, who you were, the purpose of your life. And by the way, you could not be on this people planet without a purpose from the Almighty God. You're not here by happenstance. You're not here because your mom and dad got happy. You're not here because, because this or that or whatever. You're here because by divine providence of the Almighty God purpose. Everybody say, I got purpose. And it gets exhausting fighting yourself because you think it's everybody else. It's the government. It's, 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 the, it's the union I'm involved in. It's the, it's the church I go to. It's that preacher over there. It's the, it's the family members I have in my family. It's the people that bother me on Facebook. All, and we start thinking it's all these other things, but the truth is we're fighting ourselves the most. We, we think we're fighting because others are actually holding us back. But it's not the people that's holding you back because the word says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The Bible says no man shall stand before you all the days of your life. The Bible says if God be before you, who can be against you? My Bible tells me you wrestle not against flesh and blood. Somebody shout yes. So people are not my issues, people are not my problems, people can't stop me. And if that's the truth, then the only thing that can stop me, if God said I can, the only thing that can stop me is me. It's not the people holding you back. It's you. Your desire to put you first, rather than God's promises, God's will, and God's way to be first. It's literally holding you back. Many of you are just plain stuck, stuck in your past, stuck in your emotions, stuck in your mindsets, stuck in your conditions. But God wants your, your life to be blessed and not stressed. Deuteronomy 28:3 does not say stressed. Shall you be in the city? Stress. Shall you be in the field? stress shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your, your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Stress shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Stress shall you be when you come in and stress shall you be when you go out. What does it say instead? It says, blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed when you come in. Blessed when you go out. Blessed with everything that your hand touches. Blessed! Come on, somebody say blessed! Y'all don't even remember the old song. Blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field. Remember that song? Blessed when we come and when we go. And I don't know the rest. Y'all know the rest? It's good no matter what. Praise God. Blessed. Everybody say blessed one more time. And not stressed. Why are we stressed? Because we're injecting us into things. We feel like we've got to have the answers. We got to be the ones that, uh, that, um, that make a way. But the Bible says God makes a way where well, there seems to be no way. And he wants to download that information in your life. Church, you will be stuck and stressed when you make life about you. But it's when you put God first that you start living the blessed life. Deuteronomy 28 also says this in verse number one. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully. All his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Did you hear that? And all these things shall come upon you and overtake you because you have obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. There's something about putting God first and being obedient to him. He makes us the head and not the tail. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first, Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these blessings shall be added unto you. If I seek him first, if I put him in first place, we got to be honest. Are we really, be honest with yourself. Have you really been in a place where you're saying, God, you're first? I seek him early in the morning and before I go to bed at night. That before I make decisions with God, I'm asking God, what is it you want? Now, here we go. I want to look at Genesis 28, verse 10. Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place. Everybody say a certain place, please. Okay? And stayed there all night. Because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he laid down in that place to sleep. And then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. He's reminding him of the, where he comes from. It didn't start with you. Just remember this. There's always somebody plowing the field before you got there. We're never self-made. We 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 we're we're, we're independent in, in a in a certain way, but there's always somebody who paid a price before you got there. The land of which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. He's starting to give him a promise now, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of earth shall be blessed, not stressed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I am not, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, "Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it." Maybe some of you, by putting God first, will wake up tomorrow morning and go, "You know, Milwaukee is not so bad. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not recognize." And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. How awesome is this place. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he put in his head, set it as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been known previously as Luz. In other words, Bethel means the house of God. And I mean, this must be prophetic because I'm looking around here today and I'm watching the numbers begin to grow in person services. And today is probably the best we've had since we've come back. And I will say this. I will say this. It must be prophetic because today, as actually it was coming out because I didn't know what was going on. I, I was worshiping God from the back. And I came out here. Typically I'm, I'm up on the front, but I had a reason why I couldn't be this morning. But I'm here to tell you, this is what I felt the Lord say. Challenge the people to get back into my house. Because at some point, we're going to have to either trust God or not trust God. Now, if you've got conditions and things like that, and you're not prepared for that, that's, that's between you and the Lord. There is no judgment with that. But there are so many people that watch week to week, but, and they've really just gotten lazy. It has nothing to do with fear anymore. It comes down to convenience, and that's not God's best for your life. How awesome is this place? It is none other than the house Of God. We still need the body of Christ, y'all. Thank God for technology that can reach and touch people where they're at. But we still need one another to come together and connect. And he says this, and God, then Jacob rather made a vow, saying, If God be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set as a pillar, shall be God's house. Watch this, watch this. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you, the tithe to you. What's he saying? your first place. Everything I have is because you gave it. If you'll give me this and if you'll give me that, you're my God. So whatever I have is yours anyways and you receive a tenth of all that I have. What's he saying? I'm gonna put you first above all things and I'll never forget what you've done for me this day. See, we see that Jacob now is transitioning from a me first mentality to a God first mentality. Jacob's life was on the run all he, he, was, he was running even in his own father's house. He was running from himself. Now he's running from his brother, right? Esau, there's a story that goes with that, but quickly what it was is that he tricked his brother out of the birthright and got his father, tricked his father to give him the blessing. So now Jacob received the blessing, but it was by trickery. And he received the birthright because of, actually because of Esau's stomach. He was just hungry and he, and he says, if you'll give me the birthright, I'll make you this, this porridge and you can eat it. You can study it out for yourself. And so now then his brother realizes what has been done is seeking to kill Jacob. And his mother said, go to my, my brother's house, Laban's house, and you'll have to go. It's a journey. But he will, he will actually, he'll hide you there. You'll find, you'll find sanctuary with him. And so that Esau will not kill you because of what you've done. So now he's not just running from himself. He's running from his big brother who's trying to kill him. And his brother's he's no joke. He's the real deal. And so he's miserable, folks. He's miserable. He's on the lamb. He's looking behind his shoulder all the time. I'm prophesying to somebody right now that you feel like you always have to look behind your shoulder. That day is over in the name of Jesus. Do you know that God will give you angels? Do you know that God has already given you angels? you got nothing to be afraid of. And he's alone. He's by himself. He's broken, broken down, but now he's coming into healing. He has a a revelation. He has an encounter with God. And God's beginning to heal him because he says, this is who you are. This is where you're going. And he heals him and gives him restoration and gives him a purpose. So how did Jacob transition from the stressed life to the blessed life? The first thing he had to do was go. He had to go to where God was. In this case, he was going to Luz on his way to Laban's house, which was the house of God. He had to go to the presence of God. He had to go and seek God first. So he leaves a place called Beersheba to the place of Haran, but stops off at a place he didn't think was that great. But now he wakes up in the morning and a whole God has touched his life and he sees it completely different and it's awesome in this place and it's the house of God. But he goes from Beersheba to that place, which means the well of former promises. So what has God promised you? What's in the well of the former promises God has given you five years ago, 10 years ago, 25 and 50 years ago for some of you? What has God promised? Don't you know that God is still a promise keeping God that he's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent? He's wanting to remind you of the things that he said over the years to you. Of what he's going to do for you. This is what God does. He doesn't look at bad behavior and go, well, it's over, that's it, that you don't have no more purpose. He says, you got to get right with me. you got to repent. And if you repent, I'll work with you. This God wants to forgive you and release you of all your past sin and get you on the road of righteousness so the promises can come to pass. Because we're away from God, we're not obedient to God. And if we're not obedient to God, God can't have access in our life. If God can't access life, the promises can't come to pass. But it doesn't change the fact that you've been promised. So the only, only thing that changed the promise God gave you is you. Amen. We never, ever get there until we actually make it real with God and say, I'm sorry forgive me. I cheated. I messed up. I shouldn't have done this or that or whatever. And I want this under the blood. Jesus, forgive me. And I've said this a thousand times in church and I'll say it a thousand more times if I'm able. And that is this God can, he can resist anything. This God can do anything and he certainly can resist anything except for one thing. And that's your repentance. He just can't resist it. The moment you say, please forgive me, it, he just gushes over you and the love of God begins to flow over you and it'll melt you one spot and he'll forgive everything. But if you continue in your sin, you've made your choice. Amen. Amen. Another thing to, to note is you never just arrive somewhere on the road to success without godly authority. You need somebody who's been there and done that. In other words, he said, Abraham, Isaac has been there. Abraham had to dig a well. But when Isaac was of age, Isaac had to go dig his own well. Now Jacob's of age; he's got to go dig his own well. In other words, but he, but they did it. He did it because he was taught from a father who was taught by a father who was taught from a father. In other words, somebody has that power or that authority. And by the way, it was his father that released Jacob to go in the first place. That just lets me know that some uh, are sent, and some just went. That's going to be a sermon for another day. Praise God. So Jacob heads to Haran, and he leaves the familiar place to go to an unfamiliar place that God called a certain place. You remember that? God said he went to a certain place. Certain means this. It means known for sure. Established beyond any doubt. Where God takes you may be unfamiliar, but it's certain. Where God takes you may be uncomfortable, but it's established. Where God takes you may not be known by others, but it's known for sure by God. It's a sure thing. It is a certain place that God's already designated. All he needs now is you to believe it. All he needs you now to your obedience to go toward it. So it was there that Jacob rests and falls asleep with a rock for a pillow. Who uses a rock for a pillow? I guess when you got nothing else. But a rock is not something that's comfortable. It's uncomfortable. A rock does not make a good pillow to curl up to. No one tonight watching TV is going to go, hand me that rock over there real quick. Oh, God, yeah, oh, yeah. No one's going to cuddle up to a rock. But that's what he had. It wasn't comfortable. But it's where he fell asleep. And don't forget Jesus is called the rock of our salvation. Now hang with me. I know that Jesus is gonna make my life peaceful when I make him first. I know he's gonna save my soul when I make him first. I know that he's gonna heal me when I make him first. And all the goodness, all the blessings that Jesus, if I make him first, all these other things will be added unto me. But I've also saw the flip side with him. It doesn't mean he makes my life comfortable. Now I'm preaching to about five people that want to hear it and the rest go, nah, let's go back to the other part where the peace was. Because sometimes he'll call you to go places where there's a storm, but he'll be the peace, the rock in the midst of the storm. So my safety in the storm comes in an uncomfortable place. Jesus is in the storm. Jesus was the fourth man in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So it wasn't comfortable. That's when Jesus said, and he he knew he was talking about the communion, but he didn't he didn't explain himself. He said, "You must whole crowd of people, you must drink my blood and you must eat my flesh." And they begin to walk away from him. All The Bible says they all begin to walk away, and even the disciples had to look in their eye like, this man has just done lost his mind. And he turns to them and says, will you leave me too? And Peter said, you have the words of eternal life. Where will I go? In other words, I don't understand what you just said. I think it's kind of weird, and I do kind of get freaked out about it. Please don't say it again. But where am I going to go? I know who you are. In other words, you're you're making me very uncomfortable right now. Y'all don't want to hear this. When God asks you to do something, sometimes you just go, it, it, it gets cringy sometimes. Go witness to them. No. They don't look nice. Just go share my love with them. No, they do not look like they want to hear from me today. But you go over. And within five minutes, there's big tears welling up in their eyes. And you're touching them. God, will, he'll be at the place where it's uncomfortable. How about this? Love those, Jesus said, love those who hate you. That's that rock. Huh, uh, uh, uh. How about this? Bless those who curse you. Some of y'all go, yeah, I like the other scriptures, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Hallelujah. Do good, Jesus said, to those who spitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Love them anyways. Amen. Amen. When Jacob found rest on that hard thing, Trusting God by putting Him first, it opened Him to seeing something new. And this morning, what God, I feel God is conveying to you and those watching today, is that He wants to open you up to a new possibility. It feels like you're in a rut, you're in love. It's like, it's love's the place you want to go through, you ain't trying to stay there for vacation. It's just a place to stop maybe if you get tired, and that's all it was for him. And, and it, it was nothing to him. It was nothing. It, he wanted out of there. But it was there in that place, that hard rock, that place, that he, God opened him up to a new thing. It was there that Jacob said, all the days of my life, he made a vow, I will serve you, and I'll give you a tenth of all that I have. It opened him up to something new. God has wanted to open his people up to something new. It's been a tough year for people. If it hasn't been for you, it's been for a lot of people you know, trust me. And it's not just America. It's around the world. It's been a tough, if you really get right down to it, since 9-11 has happened, it's been a different world. 20 years ago. This year, it'll be 20 years. But then in 2008, when when the economy crashed, it just tripled how bad it was. And it has not really, it's been like warfare ever since. And now with this last year, coronavirus and all the stuff that's going on, it has been so difficult on people. But I'm here to tell you, it's like we we get in that negative mode and we think this is the way that it is. But I'm telling you, God wants to open you up. Something new and exciting is about to happen from heaven in your life. Get ready for it. He falls asleep. He has the dream of heaven opening, a window opening over him personally, and, and there, there's a ladder that's there. And he hears the voice of God. And he's God is speaking to him about his future. This is not who you are, Jacob. You're not going to be miserable the rest of your life. This is not. The, you're not going to be on the run the rest. You're not always going to be looking around your shoulder and wonder who's going to who's going to get you. This is not going to be you the rest of your life. I got a plan for you. God wants to reveal something new. He wants to reveal that vision. He wants to reveal that supernatural thing. He wants to remind you of the promise and and reinvigorate it inside of you once again so you begin to dream about it once again to let you know it's going to be great. But watch this. With God, everything's greater than the way you think. It's always better. This ladder he sees, and these angels were ascending and descending and ladder ascending, descending. What does that tell me? Um, it was his window. It was a window in heaven that opened. It was his window. There was much activity, much activity between earth and heaven for who? Jacob. Not one angel, angels. Angels. What's God doing? God's showing him the system of heaven. He's showing him how heaven works. He's showing him you can be completely dependent upon heaven, not upon earth, not upon your circumstances, not upon the place you find yourself in. The problems you've had. Here's a question. What's going up your ladder? Is it prayer? Or is it complaints? Is it your agenda? Or is it ultimately God's agenda? If we will put God first, he will always, always put us first. My job on planet Earth is to seek the Father. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Does jephro get it right every day? No, because I'm flesh and blood. I thank God for what I told. How can I preach repentance so hard? Because I, I need it every day. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're just people. But thank God that he put a little clause in his word that says, if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness putting me right back into good graces with the almighty this is what this is what god promises he will do he'll make it right where you can't make yourself right he reestablishes you and he puts you back in a certain place an established place a for sure thing place where your foot won't stumble. Amen. And in that place, I say, Lord, what's your will? And I begin to seek his will. And then I begin to pray his will. There's so much, I have a lot of creativity inside me. And so I like to create and do different things and stuff. And some of you've seen them, you've seen that over the years. And, and so I've been asking the Lord, what is it that you want? For me to do for Easter this year, and I'm praying right now. And I told our leadership, I, I just had we had a Zoom meeting and so said, Look, I need you to pray with me because I can go different directions, but I really want What does God want to do? Because souls are in the balance here. And I want your children to come to God, and I want your family members to come to God, and I want I want your, your co-workers to come to Jesus and neighbors, and so we're really trusting God. I can do a bunch of stuff, but is it really what God wants? Because God can show you one little thing that you never saw. You can go ahead and play. One little thing that you never saw. And then all of a sudden, it's like all the, the ideas kind of, go away, and your focus becomes that. And you go, oh my God, it's so simple. And then bang. We did something called The Circus of Jesus Christ, and people didn't understand it. And I kind of liked it that way. I wanted it to be that way because I did not write that play for Christians. I read it, wrote it for sinners, so they'd be intrigued and come. And boy, did they come! We had thousands of people come to Christ that production, thousands over the five years. But when it was done, it was done, and I knew it was over. And that's okay. For years, we did something called J O N. But when it was done, J O N, Jesus of Nazareth, we called J O N, Jesus of Nazareth was a production. But when it was done, it was done. We did Heartbreak Hotel for years and years. I'm talking about thousands of people coming through, getting saved with these productions. But when it's done, it's done. You can't keep going over the old, over and over. When God wants to express something new. So whatever he wants, he's going to get. It could be the same. He could just say, I want you to preach. And we're just going to preach. To me, that's a little lazy, but I'll do what he wants me to do. Because that's how God gets the praise. And putting him first means it's going to bring me thirty-six 60, and 100 fold. Somebody say, Amen.